went into a sort of hypnotic state and like basically woke up as he was digging graves and basically pulling freshly buried people out of their graves. Murders, mysteries, unexplained stories, and our family's crazy opinions on them all. Join us now. The Family School of Thought is in session. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining us once again. Hope everybody had a fantastic week. We had a fantastic weekend because Cassie was here in Michigan with us. Hi, Laura. We had a great time. Yes. Um, a good time. Really miss you. And we were able to have, uh, meet with uh, all of us together with Matt and Oak, mm-hmm. and Grandpa, yeah. and Ruth. And yep. We ate lunch at the airport, literally on the tarmac. That was Breakfast, fun. But yeah. Breakfast. It was a lot of fun. Anyways, um, let's talk about the weather. Jess, how's the weather there? A little creepy. It's a little creepy. It's the end of the storm at nighttime here in Michigan. Well, it feels like tornado. Looks like tornado yes. weather when I look outside. Real yeah. still, gloomy looking. It's yeah. yellow. Yeah. There was tornado, tornado warnings that went through today um, when the storms hit our area. Um, so, yeah. Cass, how about out in Portland? It's beautiful. I mean, it's hot, but it's not as hot as it's been. It was probably about like 80 degrees today, but oh. blue skies and sunny. Yeah, it was hot here today. Hot and muggy. And, um, and now it's gloomy and looks like a tornado started in any second. Yeah. We did see a nice big rainbow though, Odin and I. So it's promising. And um the ocean in Flor by Florida is a hundred and one degrees. Yep. Global warming. A hundred and one degrees. Yep. Thank you. Sounds impossible, doesn't it? Yep. I mean, sea life is not going to live at 101 degrees. Nope. It? It's going to be gone within a couple decades. Mm. I keep hearing that. Global warming. I don't know why people don't believe it. <laughs> well, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else going on, you guys? Want to talk about before we get started? Besides... You know, nothing compares to you. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing compares to Yikes. you. I did just read that as I was getting ready for the show. I'm so upset. Okay. Well, for our listeners who don't understand that, it's Sinead O'Connor, the singer of Nothing Compares to You, died. Was it today or recently? I think today. Yeah. Yeah. I think so today. It was announced today, at least. We're breaking news right. about four o'clock here. Okay. Let's get going today. Oh, wait. Um, Jess, tell us yes, some historical I got some facts. History Unexplained Mysteries. And we're going to stay on the music end of this. We're going from Sinead O'Connor. Now we're going to go to some facts about two other well-known artists, I guess. Um, so the first one is regarding Wolfgang Mozart um, and his death. Didn't realize this was this is this was new to me. Didn't realize it was um, 
a mystery, his death, but um, he is an Australian, uh, he was, I should say, is an Austrian pianist and a composer who worked, um, his, his works transcended generations, which I think we all t- today know who he is, or at least don't know his music, you know his name at least. Um, and his talent and his passion was certainly passed on and has passed the test um, the test of time and his works is sometimes overshadowed by the mystery of his the circumstances surrounding his death that's news to me i wouldn't have known that um don't know anything about his death so um but mozart died on december 5th 1791 in his home in vienna austria and those who are close to him reported intense body swelling just before he passed accompanied by a fever and a widespread rash in the days following his death a german newspaper announced that mozart had died after being poisoned Um, however even today historians cannot point definitively to that cause and although they claim poisoning could very well be the culprit to his death other um, ailments such as um, rheumatic fever and infections following medical procedures or even strep throat um, could have caused him to have those symptoms and cause death as well. Um, The quick decline of his health is what made several people question whether there was some type of questionable, questionable involvement in his death. And in the time leading up to his final days, Mozart was working steadily and appeared to be in perfect health. Today, though, experts um, admit that the closest that they have come to true cause of death is a collection of educated guesses. So nobody really knows. But also back in, you know, 1700s, I'm sure they weren't keeping track of all that and they didn't really know um, some of that, some of that stuff. So... He could have had any kind of infection. What? He could have had any kind of. Yeah, he could have had any kind of infection. So, or an allergic reaction. Sounds right. like me. Sure. Yeah, that's probably, you know, people may have called it poisoning, but it, yeah, it was just a uh, allergic reaction, anaphylactic shock. So, I don't know. The next one that I have I is about Beethoven. This that's one I just heard. <laughs> So this one I have heard, but it's about his immortal beloved. Um, Beethoven was born in 1770, and he's arguably one of the history's most accomplished composers and magician, musicians, not magicians. Um, and he was a p- uh, piano prodigy. In spite of um, continuous personal trauma and advancing deafness that marked his later days, Beethoven left behind a rich portfolio of music. I think we've all heard his music, at least again, heard his name. Um, his first name is Lugwin. I didn't realize his first name was Lugwin. I don't know if I've ever known that, but Lugwin van Beethoven. Um, I, I lost where I was. Okay. Notes um, after his death, there were notes that were found to reveal that he had another legacy. He had a tragic love story that um, occurred during his life. And in 1812, the, um, Beethoven wrote a series of letters to an otherwise unnamed, in quote unquote, immortal beloved. And for that year on, so 1812 on, 
Numerous writings were found addressed to the same unknown paramour, though historians have never unveiled the identity of Beethoven's love. Many believed that she would have been a married woman in high status, um, which would be why they he he kept it secret, or they you know the relationship was kept secret, and it was ultimately unfulfilled. It was unfulfilled, but. Uh, many musical scholars believe that this potentially illicit affair progressed um, Beethoven's disillusionment and frustrations and that it may have influenced his music itself, particularly uh, particularly an acute creative crisis that lasted for years following or uh, followed by a more melancholy, sober tone in his music in his music in the later years. To this day, the mystery of his beloved is still lost on history. So we still don't know who That's he was in love with. That's interesting. Did I understand right that he had a letter delivered once a year? Um, it just said it was there were several, it was a series of letters that started in 1812. So there was it didn't say um, oh, time it was just that year on from 1812 on there was just a series of letters that were addressed to the same person um, but we don't know who that that's, person is that's really a cool concept and you know like, it's kind of write is a letter it, to your mother after my death once a year she would get it right yeah but I, I've heard of people doing that especially like parents that die you know when their kids are young they yeah do yeah yeah like I've that. Seen that. But this, it makes me wonder, is, is is it creepy or is it cute? It goes on that, you know, creepy cute scale because was he obsessed with somebody that you know, was married or whatever and she found it creepy and so he kept writing these letters that never got delivered because it doesn't say they were delivered. They were just letters that he was writing. Um, and so was this relationship one-sided and was he kind of stalking her? and obsessed with her and which makes it creepy or i mean if she was married it's not really super cute anyway because they're having you know an affair but you know that's something too or you know is it cute did she have the same feelings and i mean back then you know there were more arranged marriages and stuff so was this a you know romeo juliet type of love story where you know the forbidden love kind of right. situation right but there you probably, go it probably would have been forbidden love but right so there you go is it creepy or is it cute we don't know because we don't know who his his love if was they made a movie of it who would you put as the woman julia roberts i don't know why you're so obsessed with julia roberts because he knows I like her. Sounds like a perfect part for her. And one, Julia Roberts is too Finger old to be playing the love interest in a story like this. Who's to say it's a girl? Like, right. what better relationship in those times would be a same-sex relationship? That's many I, scholars I, have I, come to believe that probably. But I also feel like back in the 1700s, well, he was born in 1700, so this was early 1800s. I think it was not as frowned upon. It was more accepted back then, but who knows? 
I think that would have been just about the period where it was. Well, there is there is the question on, you know, I've seen it around too, where for especially for guys, is he gay or is he European? You know, that's a question. Because I think especially like Europe in like Europe, it's more acceptable. Right. And right. people are more fluid with sexuality. It's not questioned or thrown yeah, sure. I'm sure it's a, a cultural thing in most part. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a religious thing is what it is. Right. So where there's but. more religion going on, there's more forbidden. Well, there's a lot of mystery revolving around Beethoven himself because yeah. he's kind of one of those historical figures that they're, they question his race a lot. Yeah. Um, they yeah, think uh -oh. that he may have been an African-American man. Really? I've never um, heard that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I knew he was so deaf. there's a lot of like, yeah, and then obviously he went deaf later on in these years. But yeah, like with his, I think there's just like some of like, like old paintings that kind of have more facial structure of that, like of, you know, African-American, you know, African facial structures. Mm -hmm. And same with, you know, the, you know, secret lover, like, a lot of times, yes, well, maybe it was a little bit. It was a bit more. And maybe it, it was a race, a race, a race, racial, race, racial, yeah, racial love thing too, yeah. or you know, something that was not as accepted. Right. Probably still isn't, but you know, three hundred years wow. later, we're still fighting the same fights. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Really. The more you know. The more you know. There you go. So some two classical pianists and uh, composers. Probably two of the most famous. Yes, two of the most famous. Composers. Mm -hmm. Well, now my question, Cass, is your song... No. What? <laughs> Does, <it relate? laughs> Does your song relate? No. Okay. Um, my song relates but because it's my week to do the story, uh, it ties in with the story that I'm doing. So it has nothing to do with composers, um, but it does have to deal with the story I'm doing this week. Yay. So it relates in that way. Is that Helter Skelter? Um, it's not Helter Skelter. Um, it is, so this week's song is Dead Skin Mask by a band called Slayer. Um, they are a metal rock group. I don't think any of you really know them. They were very popular. I have ever heard of them before. They were very popular in the late 80s. Uh, or like 80s, kind of early 90s, I don't think. Um, but, so yes, they it's a very much a hard metal band. Um, uh, but this song particularly was inspired by one of Wisconsin's most prolific serial killers, um, known as the Butcher of Plainfield. Um, and he would later become an inspiration to a lot of things that I will get into in my story. But he was, his house was found with multiple bodies, decapitated, disfigured, and furniture, as well as dishware made out of human skin and bones. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Come it to, it, it basically became the Wisconsin House of Horrors. Um, but, and so I'll just go right into my story this week because not only did this serial killer inspire this song, 
he inspired pretty much every big horror film you've really ever thought of. Um, he was this inspiration for Norman Bates from Psycho. He was the inspiration for Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Buffalo Bill from The Silence of the Lambs, um, Otis Driftwood um, from Rob Zombie's um, uh, The House of a Thousand Corpses, as well as The Devil's Rejects. And as even as soon as um, recently of American Horror Story, their second season of Asylum, there was a character named Dr. Oliver Treadston that he inspired as well. Um, and this is the serial killer, Ed Gein. Has anyone heard of him? No. I have, but mm -hmm. I don't know why. <laughs> so. We're about to find out. Well, like I said, like he is pretty much, I think they call him like the godfather of pop horror. Like he has, mm -hmm. like this list I gave is basically just some of the inspirations. Um, he has been the inspiration for a lot of horror characters. Um, lot of serial killers. There's some people who say that he um, would later inspire serial killers themselves. Um, so there's a lot. He's got. He's pretty much the most notorious yet unknown serial killer in the world, kind of thing. Like he is the inspiration, but a lot of people don't know him exactly. Yeah. So Edward Gein. Uh, he was born August 27, 1906, in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, he was the younger of two boys. Um, his mother, Augusta, was a devout Lutheran. Um, she would often preach about the immortality and evils in the world, um, especially women. She claimed that women were just promiscuous instruments of the devil to tempt other people, mostly men, mostly her young children. Uh, and she also claimed that drinking was a devious sin. Um, and this came from the fact that her husband, the two boys' father, George, was an alcoholic. And it did lead to him losing many jobs, as well as he had to sell the family grocery store um, and move the family to a small farm. I guess not a small farm, uh, a farm, an isolated farm uh, in Plainsville, Wisconsin, when the boys were young. I'm sorry. I, you probably said this already, but what years are we talking? So he was born in 1906, and there's no real like time frame of when all this happened. It just says, it just says when Ed and his brother Henry were very young. Um, so I would guess in like 1910, somewhere around there, maybe 1920. Because um, this is another thing is that um, like the t the timing kind of seems weird to me, but I mean that's me now as an adult. Um, but they moved to this small isolated farm um, when the boys were young. Um, it is said that Ed basically only left this farm when he had to go to school, um, and he also had trouble making friends at school. Um, he was considered to be very weird and off-putting by a lot of his schoolmates as well as his teachers. Um, but even when he did finally make friends, it was said that Augusta, his mother, would scare them off. Um, she would also punish Ed for making friends. Um, so she very much isolated Ed in general. Um, they formed a very um, creepy kind of 
coexisting attachment. Um, and Ed's father died when he was about 34, and it said in 1940. Um, and he and his brother Henry um, began to basically take odd jobs around the, um, the town to help pay for the bills of the farm. Um, mostly they did like handyman work, um, lots of like little small jobs helping out around the town. Um, it was said that Ed was known for being a very good babysitter. Um, and he liked, he seemed to um, do really well with children in town. Um, and so this was like when he was 34. So this is why I kind of find the time frame weird is because they're 34 and like neither of them seem to have a life outside of this farm. Um, it, it just seems odd to me, but I guess that's just me. So, and, and they're babysitting? And they're babysitting. Yeah, babysitting. That seems weird. Babysitting. Well, Ed, it's, I don't know about Henry. Henry seems to be fairly well adjusted, but he's still living on the farm with his mother. So I don't know. Um, but Ed and Henry actually began to fight a lot uh, in the later couple years um, because Henry noticed that Ed and their mother, Augusta, had a very like attached relationship. Um, Augusta did not like when Ed would go out into town. Um, Ed sought his mother's approval for everything. Um, they would basically sit, sit in the house together all day long. Um, and Henry began dating a young divorced mother. Um, and so he started to basically get outside of the house a lot more. And he because of this, he could see how bad things were getting between Ed and Augusta. Um, and so he started to basically talk down about Augusta to Ed anytime he could. And it seemed to very much upset Ed. He did not like that Henry was calling out his mother's behavior. Um, and so in 1944, supposedly accidentally, um, Ed was had called local authorities about a uncontrollable vegetation fire that had gotten out of control and it was basically take like consuming a lot of the property um, but not only that but his brother henry had gone missing and he couldn't find him um so as basically a rescue attempt was made people were sent out to search for henry on the property and of course, Henry was found dead on the property. He was found face down. Um, but there was seemed to be no signs of burns from the fire. Um, the only thing was a couple bruise, bruises on his head, as well as his autopsy said that he died from asphyxiation. So the authorities basically just said that he must have died from shock, from seeing the fire. Um, I think at the time, Henry would have been uh, 43, so he died from shock um, seeing a fire on his property. That happens all the time. <clears throat> um, so his now it is just Ed and Augusta, his mother. Um, unfortunately, she has a stroke not long after Henry's death at 66, 
and this leads to Ed basically taking care of her. Like he takes care of her full time at this point. Um, but it only is for about a year before she has her second stroke in 1945. Uh, and this would eventually take her life. Um, Ed basically was reported as being devastated from the death. Um, he lost his only friend, his only loved one in his life. Um, so he was basically alone. He no longer had any members of his family. He was living on this farm all by himself. Um, and he became kind of the town loner. Um, and he was the town loner for the next like 12 years, somewhere around there. Um, and he really was only seen when he was taking, again, some odd jobs. I didn't see anything about him babysitting again. Um, but it did say that he worked on road crews that were helping fix roads, as well as he did a lot of handyman jobs where he would go to people's houses and help fix things on the property, stuff like that, as well as working on the farm himself. Um, it was still clear, even 12 years later, that his mother inspired a lot of his actions and beliefs. Um, her strict spirituality seemed to still have a very tight hold of Ed's actions. Um, he would talk about women very derogatorily and he wouldn't really be around a lot of women most of the time. Um, he was also seen by multiple magazines um, about the Nazi atrocities as well as cannibalism during these years. Um, so he was just kind of very much considered a very strange and off-putting man, but nobody really knew anything much about him. Nobody had really been to the house since you know, Henry and Augusta died. Um, and they, he didn't really talk to many people in the town. Um, but on November 16th, 1957, um, the Plainsfields hardware store owner Bernice Warden would go missing and it would be reported by her son. Um, and it was said that the last receipt made in the hardware store was for a purchase made by Ed the morning she disappeared. Uh, and so police pretty much saw him as the lone suspect. They went to search his house uh, and this is where they would find Bernice in a small shed on the property. Um, she was hanging from the ceiling by her ankles. Her torso had been cut and bled like a deer or pig. Uh, and she was shot with a 22 caliber rifle as well as she was decapitated. So obviously seeing this, they realized that they have to search his house. Um, they have to do a huge search of his property and what they find basically is why it's called the house of horrors. Um, it's, it, it was basically at the time, you know, this was 1957 was unheard of basically what they found. It was almost, you know, unthinkable because they basically found entire furniture. Like I said before, when I was talking about the song, entire furniture made out of human bones and skin, waste baskets basically made out of human skin um human skulls basically carved in half and 
used as bowls and dishes for food. Um, a corset that was made out of uh, female torso, skin, and bones. Um, this man was a sick man. Oh he was, he, there's a reason he was inspiration for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, well, psycho. A, and Psycho, exactly. So that's, again, so he was the inspiration for Psycho because they found basically a human suit made out of women's skin that he would basically put on and pretend to be like walk around the house and pretend to be his mother Ugh. so I, was about, I think it was probably about 1961 or two or something like that well so the book the book came out in 1959 so two years okay. after two years. okay obviously yeah. inspired yeah yes obviously inspired um <laughs> Yeah, like just like human faces, basically like skinned human faces were set up around the house. Um, just every inch of this house was covered in some kind of human remains. Well, where did he get all these bodies? So that's the thing. So he, to, eh, so obviously they arrested him. And in 1957, he was, um, I, so he went to trial in 1957. He was, um, diagnosed with schizophrenia and pled not guilty due to insanity um and and really he basically the only crime that they could pin on him at that point was bernice warden because they found her you know basically dead body at his house um and he claims that um pretty much everything else so he he's he confesses to one other murder which is Mary Hogan, uh, and she was a tavern owner near in a town nearby, um, and she went missing in 1954. So these two women are the only pe like people that he has uh, admitted to killing himself. Everything else, every other body part, he claims that he went into a sort of hypnotic state and like basically woke up as he was digging graves and basically pulling freshly buried people out of their graves. Um, and just basically taking their bodies back home and dissecting them, um, tanning them, skinning them, all that stuff. Um, so most of the bodies parts that are there were people that he just basically went to a graveyard and picked up. Wow. Yes. Um, and so he's only to this day, I think he's only charged with the two murders, not even his brother. Like, so even his brother, it's now being kind of considered maybe he, he like, obviously he was involved, um, but he has not been charged with the murder. Um, so two murders he is convicted of. And then I think nine he's suspected of, but not that they don't have real proof that he was involved other than digging up the grave. Uh, and there's just like, so the list goes on and on of body parts that he had in this house. Like, uh, I think the most well-known one is the lampshade um, that was made out of uh, human, I guess it's just human faces. So he had a lampshade made out of human faces, skin faces, as well as a belt made out of human nipples. Like basically human nipples just sewn onto a belt. Um, Gross. And unfortunately, there was a couple things that they believe, like they once they uh, 
I guess judge. I don't know how they did this, but they basically judged that his some of his youngest victims, whether they were stolen or murdered, uh, were 15 year old children. So obviously he did not do well with children, as many of the other people would say. Um, but yeah, so he in 1957 went uh, was basically deemed mentally incompetent and sent to Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, um, where he, 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 I think he was moved to a different hospital, but he was basically in mental hospital up until 1968, when he was deemed by a psychiatrist as um, capable of participating in a defense with a counsel. Uh, and this is basically where he uh, explained you know, what had happened with Bernice. Um, apparently he was at the hardware that morning and he was uh, looking at a new gun, testing a new gun, I don't know. Uh, and apparently he doesn't remember it well. He can't remember if he was in a daze or if the shotgun just went off by its, like, you know, on accident. Um, but he shot her and then basically got scared and was like, well, I got to take her home. Like, got to get rid of the body so and he was pretty proficient at disposing of human remains and making them into his furniture so uh he took him home but again he said that he can't be remember if it was intentional or not um but he did confess to the murder uh as well as again like i said mary hogan who he said that he um, you know, first of all, she was a woman. And then second of all, she was a tavern owner, which two biggest sins his mom talked about was being a woman and alcohol. So he didn't like her. And I guess they got into a argument. Um, and he just decided to kill her. I, it doesn't say how he killed her. I don't think I may have missed that. Um, but her body and Bernice's like fresh body were basically the two biggest or like most uh, used body parts in the house. Um, her Mary Hogan's face was in a plastic bag or not plastic paper bag near his room, as well as her skull was like the only intact skull, and it was in a box near his bed. Stink. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that it probably did. Um, but he was also, his dad was like a taxidermist at one point. And so he was like, did a lot of taxidermy as well. Um, and, uh, like, like I said, nobody really went to his house and I think they said that like, he pretty much lived in squalor. So it was basically like a hoarding house anyway. Like there was just lots of junk and trash everywhere other than his mother's room. So basically his whole house was just disgusting, the squalor. And, but he had basically walled off his mother's room. And so it was just like pristine, almost like the day she left, like the day she died, looked exactly the same. Um, but yeah, it probably stank, probably. But again, nobody went in there but him. Wow. Um, but so in uh, 1968, he did, he did go on trial again, basically, when they deemed him fit enough. Um, to go on trial. He admitted to his crimes. He was found guilty, but he was still found basically mentally incapable. Um, and so he was sent back to the mental hospital where he spent 
the rest of his life. Um, he died in 1984 at the age of 77 due to respiratory failure brought on by lung cancer. Wow. Yeah. So that is... Say, first of all, I thought you were going to say after he got out of the mental institution, they let him go. They said, oh, bye. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. right. Then, then I thought you were going to say, well, he got, you know, 10 years. They found him not guilty. He got out of there. But he's already served that, so they let him go. Yeah. No. This He did fortunately serve his time. And he, you know, I mean, it was only a mental hospital. It wasn't a jail. But at the same time, I'm sure, well, I know back in like the 60s, like the 50s to the 80s, I'm sure mental hospitals were absolutely torture. They probably torture. were worse than prison. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think maybe he got what was coming to him. Right. Wow. Then again, he probably just ruled the roost there. Yeah. Probably the most scary person they've ever met. Wow. Yeah. In Wisconsin. But yeah, I think it's I think it's so strange that he is probably one of the biggest inspirations for, for most horror genres, and yet mo nobody really knows he's a real person. Like I was talking to someone the other day, and they were like talking about how Buffalo Bill was inspired by trans people, and I'm like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> Like, not trans people in general, just a crazy person who was obsessed with his mother. <laughs> wow. Wanted to be his mother. Yeah, I just watched that movie, Psycho, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And um, just definitely for the time, that was really a scary movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, how he made a mannequin of his mother and kept it there and, yeah. Well, luckily, I don't believe his mother was one of his victims. I could be wrong. Could be wrong, but I don't think he kept her in a chair with a wig on her yeah. head. Who knows? Yeah. So that she turns around. <laughs> yeah. No. Let's hope Not you. to spoil the ending of Psycho, but. Well, if you haven't seen Psycho yet, neither, you're either way too young or. That was a good movie. It was. was. I don't know if you ever watched the TV show, but it like started out yeah, pretty well. Mahone, I don't think it ended, yeah, I don't think it ended well, but I think they did a good job. I think that of kind of one career because that was I the only character he could play the rest of his life, you know. Where she, that's Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. Oh. Yeah, you're talking about the movie. You know, she had a well, she had a big career before that movie, so to be it but or not to be Hedron. Is it Anthony? Um, what's his name? Am I thinking of birds? Um, mm. you got me confused now. What are we talking about? <laughs> uh, what's the I, Anthony Hopkins? Is that is that his name? Nope. The guy who played Silence of the Lamb? No, 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 yeah. no. The guy <laughs> in Psycho. Yeah. I yeah, hold on. Let's see. Oh. Perkins. Anthony Perkins. Anthony Perkins, yeah. Okay, yeah. He could never really play another part after that because there was such a big, she huge She wasn't movie. really known for anything else after that. Like, she did probably did some parts, but she wasn't, like, she's known for being the, the mm -hmm. lady who dies in the first five minutes of Psycho. Who? 
The Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Well, yeah, Janet Lee. Star. Janet Lee. Janet Lee. She was a big movie star. And she was at the time when she made that. I mean, she had a lot of movies before that. So, yeah, she was a big movie star. But, there you uh, go. Anyways, that's a good story. Yeah. That. Yeah. Heard it. Gives I've been wanting to do this one for a while, but I kept kind of putting it off and putting it off. Creepy. But Wisconsin, just across the lake from you guys. I'm telling yeah. you, so many things happen within a day's driving for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't even take the ferry over to Wisconsin from Michigan anymore because it's, it's out of commission right now. Oh, it is? You can just drive can't you you can go up to the up yeah right? you can but that getting you know from where we are up to the up is like an eight hour drive well i would go chicago way yeah right right but um, there's multiple ways you can get there okay yeah so really why is that ferry not operating um, because they're looking at it i think it's right? that ferry let me let me look in the news because um i think it was like the um ramp um collapsed or something like that cool yeah i think like it i think they got it closed off just well they have two different places it was it up in muskegon or luddington mm. or hold on didn't they have two different boat docks that you could take a ferry over it's the ss badger yeah, um, and it goes from where to where um that's a big one just says <laughs> looking at headlines. michigan to wisconsin yeah, I think it's Ludington, Michigan, too. Let me look. To, I'm going to into this East, story. Uh, Green Bay or somewhere, somewhere right there. Yeah, SS Badger from Ludington to Manawak, Manawara. Um, just above Green Bay or something. Yeah. But yeah, and it was, it looks like um, it's, it, it's suspended, the uh, service is suspended indefinitely. Really? Um, really? it's for mechanical failure um, of its ramp system because this is this is a ferry that you like drive your vehicle onto right right so yeah I mean I think you know when they use this, the the word indefinitely it just means that like they don't know when it's gonna be up and going again right. so I mean I don't think it's down forever I just think it's gonna be down for a while. They've refunded everybody that um, had already bought tickets and everything. So, mm. yeah. I've always wanted to take that ferry over. Yeah, yeah me too. We may not have a chance now. So. I know. <laughs> we won't be able to see, you know, the sites of Wisconsin where a serial killer lived. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So, outfitted his house. Yes. Well, the, so the his house is no longer there. I think yeah. in 1958, uh, the town, because it was, it was such big news, mm -hmm. um, that the townspeople were really afraid that his house was going to basically become a museum or a tourist attraction. Um, so it burned down accidentally, but they believe that the town people basically accidentally, yeah, yeah, arson. Back in the day when they didn't want negative attention. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. so. Gosh, what did it say? So because this was basically such 
a like heinous crime that like nobody had really like this was this was not just serial killer this was somebody who you know inspired people like jeffrey dahmer and like basically inspired a whole new generation of serial killers um it also because it was just so dark um it was said to uh like the news stories basically what did they call it they called it like dark like not dark humor but like basically like the like it created this story created you know dark storyline like humor and dark storylines because they were just like this is so crazy can you imagine being living in a house just full of human mm-hmm. body parts yeah. um yeah. I, so it creates not like satire but it said something i'm trying to find it oh it, like black humor or um the dark like geeners yeah like dark humor like the geeners are basically people who are fascinated by dark humor or dark subjects. Yeah. Yikes. No thanks. Well, I mean, we got we did a lot of stuff about people who were legendary today, you know, and created a right. lot of history. We mm-hmm. got, you know, we got two pianist composers that are well known and inspired so many people and you got a serial killer that also inspired (laughs) a lot of people Mm. for the entertainment of others or for themselves (laughs) i don't think he did anything to be inspirational like i don't think he went out of like way to be inspirational i think it was just absolute craziness yeah and that been when that happened, they couldn't have said, "Well, he just wanted the fame." Right, right, right. <laughs> right. He wasn't just doing it for the notoriety. He right. literally just wanted to skin and eat people. <laughs> I think it also was the start of the idea of like trophy, like serial killer trophies, just because literally his yeah. entire house was just filled with. Yeah. His or, you know, like, I mean, he was useful. He used all the parts of the human, right? Right, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. He didn't let anything go to waste. Right. There you go. There's with that dark humor. <laughs> That's your story for the week. Good story. There are creepy people out there. Yeah. And literally, this was like, I kind of kept it very short and simple. There was so much that happened with this case. Like I said, like he was, I, so I think they b- believe that his murders began in like 1948. Um, so his crimes basically spanned the length of like just under nine years. Um, but because basically his mom died in 1946, 1945, um, they like, and he became so secluded after that, it could have been any time between those years. And like I said, his brother died very suspiciously. So it could have started in 1944 or earlier. Hmm. Hmm. 
but he did say that so like i said he said he went into like a hypnotic daze he didn't know what he was doing um when he was robbing these graves um and he did say that there were times where he would wake up and realize what he was doing and leave the grave or leave the cemetery it does kind of sound like he had some mental health issues that yeah well so he was diagnosed with schizophrenia but i i'm sure in today's day and age he would have been um, diagnosed with DID or dissociative right. identity right. disorder, right? Multiple personalities. Um, well, how could he get into the cemetery and dig up all of these graves without? Huh, this was. Uh, I'm sorry. Right. Uh, the, the gated communities, <laughs> right? I mean, this was before you know, like that was pretty big back then. People would go in and I mean, yeah. people still go into cemeteries and still the and jewelry that's buried in and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they said that he would basically dig up, like, it would be, like, freshly buried people. So it was, like, people who, like, the ground wasn't. Obviously, if he wanted to, like. Well, the next day when the ground was all it wasn't suspicious. Yeah. Right, right, right. Right, right. And I think they said that some of the graves, like, basically he, they figured out a couple of the people he had robbed from, whether he told them or they, like, did some kind of research DNA. I don't know if that was available back then. Um, but some of the graves they basically went back to. And the coffins were either gone um, or they were buried very shallowly, like only like two feet into the ground. So like it was clear that, you know, somebody dug one it person up. like, yeah, like somebody had dug it up and like barely tried to hide it kind of thing. So they, they do suspect that a lot of the victims were grave robbed, but, you know, they, they don't they can't tell like all of the body parts. It was just so many if it was or not. Yikes. Must like the color cream. I guess I, I'm just I was thinking like, maybe not. Never mind. Scratch that. Well, it's like so most of them were like leather. Almost, yeah. Because they were you know, treated to not de decompose so they were mostly brown i was gonna yeah. say they didn't make it brown yeah yeah like i guess i was just thinking like all like one color but you kind of made a patchwork quilt. it was very patchwork quilty <laughs> um there are pictures available nope I they're gross. No. yeah they're pretty gross. and they they look exactly like you'd think so I believe even some of the stuff is in museums. I can't promise that, but yeah. So here's a question, though, too. Most of it, thankfully. I mean, it grosses us out that it's human skin that's like turned into leather and hide or whatever. But like, how is that different than animal skin? Exactly. That's why a lot of people. I mean, look where that's you are, Dad. You got a couple yeah. things hung up on your walls up there, you know couple dead deer heads isn't that creepy how isn't that different yeah exactly just That's a different strong. type of animal a living creature and you got those deers that got their eyes wide open yeah they never just looking at you that does not <laughs> bother me a bit <laughs> it bothers me when i sleep in there yeah, that is really weird. Yeah, I try yeah. not to think about it too much. 
Really? <laughs> yep. I never even thought about it. Yep. I slept in that room last time I was there. Nope. I don't like it. Skin from a creature that somebody killed yep. and yeah, put some stuffing in. Yeah. But I bet you're not going to watch many of these movies or songs. We'll see all that. The fact that this really happened. This is a true story. I don't like That's why Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the start says based on a true story. You know what? I don't know that I've ever watched the Chainsaw Massacre. Really? Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't know. Especially for the time. Like it was brutal. I'm sure I did. I don't remember. Well, there's two that. there's two versions. One was from like the 70s and one came out mm-hmm. in late 90s early 2000s, I want to say. I did not so watch it. Kind of tried to keep remaking it. It's kind of yeah. one of those films where like it keeps kind of coming back every right. yeah. years. But wow. the original in the 70s was pretty brutal for the time. Um yeah. I think it might have been like one of the first like uh, Rated R, almost NC seventeen movies. Yeah, I'll have to get. I'll have to find it and watch it. Yeah, that one's that one's pretty good. But then Jeepers Creepers, I feel like had a lot of this guy's stuff in there too. Because didn't Jeepers Creepers that he made masks out of, like face masks? So, he I can't didn't remember no. Jeepers Creepers because that one's based on a Michigan serial so, killer. Yeah, that, Jeepers Creepers is based off a of Michigan. Urban legend, yeah, and it might have some inspiration from Ed Gein because he would the monster. So it was like it wasn't like a human yes, being that's right. yeah. in that movie. It was a monster that would eat whatever body part he ate of yours. He would have, and yeah, like basically, right. yeah, that's if right. If he ate your eyes, he would have your eyes. If he ate yeah. your hand, would have your yeah. That's yeah. That's crazy right. movies. Well, that one was oh. I don't know. Jeepers Creepers came out again, late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. I just remember like it's Justin Long was in that one. <laughs> yeah. It was like his first movie. Yeah. But yeah, the Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre would basically like I don't know if it was faces in general, but he's basically wore a mask of humans. That must be what I was thinking of then. The leather mask yeah. is what I was thinking. So that's Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre. I was getting those two confused. And that's why I think it's been a while since I watched Silence of the Lamb. Um, but Buffalo Bill, you know, he kidnapped girls, put them in a hole, and then skin them alive. What's the nose? Put the nose in the skin and get the hose again. <laughs> so you wanted them nice and moisturized because, mm. you know, moisturized skin comes off the bone pretty well. Think about that the next time you. Uh, Eat those ribs, and then oh, mm-hmm. it just falls off the bone. Yeah, <laughs> falls off the bone. Huh. Okay, all right, guys. Anything else we want to add to Cassie's story? Yeah, it's pretty creepy too. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to do this though. This might be a new thing for us. Yeah, I think this is a good idea. If you got any suggestions, if you guys want us to like recap some mystery thriller movies or scary movies give us the name of the movie or the documentary let us know that you're on board with it 
and uh, send us an email at thefamilyschoolofthought at gmail.com. It's scrolling across the bottom of the screen if you're watching us. Make sure to click that like button. Click that subscribe button. Let us be part of your commute to work. Maybe commute home. Bring us into your family. <laughs> all right. All right, guys. I think we're all set. Um, hope everybody has a great week. Hopefully we have good weather this week. Something <laughs> happening out there. Um, but we'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye, guys. Possibly well, um news yesterday and a plane crashed. When where was this? Probably was in California, I don't remember, but this plane crashed into a house and the neighbors went to rush in to get to help them, but the doors were locked. And the guy that was flying the plane answered the door. The door. Right door. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that's the uh plot of the movie Donnie Darko. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs>